Welcome to the KCSN Draft Show. He's my favorite player in the draft. This dude right here, he's going to be one of those guys that I stand on the table for. If I could, I would trade up for this guy. This guy has a B on an early My Guy stamp. A very merry draftmas to all of you. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the KCSN Draft Show. And uh, we've got plenty to cover today. We're going to preview cornerbacks and interior offensive linemen. But we've also got plenty to cover as well with you know news of the Tyree Kill trade. All that kind of stuff. Here to help me talk, Maddie underscore KCSN on Twitter, Maddie Lane. Hello, friend. How you doing, Kent? Uh, I, I'm glad that we're getting back to these positional previews. And I'm kind of glad we're not talking about like just the wide receiver group yet. Because it's, we, we spent a lot of time talking about that group this week. If you guys missed it earlier this week on the KC Sports Network YouTube channel, you can go back and find it. We had Eric Galco on. We did a mock draft reaction. And we talked a lot about some wide receivers. So if you are itching for more wide receiver talk right now, go back and check that out. But I'm excited to talk about some corners some, I guess some interior offensive linemen we'll get to later. You know, you, you got to check off all the boxes, but I don't know how uh, uh, the, much the Chiefs are going to look into the interior offensive line group this year. But please listen for the, for the duration of the show anyway. Um, we'll, we'll put them up front so they have to listen. We'll talk to, <laughs> we'll talk to, we'll talk about Tyreek a little bit here in a second too as well. But before we start, this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? You or someone you love falling into depression or struggling with anxiety can keep you from what you care about. BetterHelp will assess your needs to match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You'll be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional therapy done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions, so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change therapists if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy, and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash KCSN. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional therapists in all 50 states. Special offer for show listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash KCSN. So this is a draft show, and the Chiefs draft capital has changed significantly since the last time we talked. Tyreek Hill traded for picks 29, 50, 121, a future fourth, and a sixth. Um, Big impact on the draft. We kind of touched on it a little bit earlier uh, this week, but man, Maddie, like the draft, the, the, the hall of draft capital that this team possesses now is insane. The chiefs, the chiefs have a lot of picks. I mean, they got two picks in rounds one, two, three, and four. Uh, so that's good. Like when you're sitting here looking at what the chiefs are doing and you know, this is, this is a draft podcast. We don't have to go too much into how the chiefs are trying to like build everything, but they do look like they're trying to bring in some young talent, get some guys in there, cost-controlled years without having to always pay these guys. So like it is very much an emphasis on the draft. 
having this many picks, especially in those top four rounds, I think is really good. Um, for me, it's great. The Chiefs like pick their last time at like 125 or something like that, or early or in the, you know, the end of the fourth round, but they don't have around five or six pick because those picks don't matter anyway. I mean, yeah, we get a tune back in for like eight round seven picks or whatever's left. We are going to be bored until like 4 p.m. on Saturday. I'll be taking a nap. I, I can almost guarantee the Chiefs move back at some point in time in this draft to pick up something else in the middle. Like maybe as part of a trade up, they get rid of a, a fourth and get something. I don't know. I don't think they'll go from round four to round the end of the draft in round seven without picking. Maybe they do. It's just, it's fun. This makes the draft fun. We are draft fans. So this makes it a lot of fun for the Chiefs who a lot of years have left us sitting there for like three and a half hours and then traded away their round one pick. Yeah, like we wind up. Yeah, it's gonna be very hard for this team to trade both of their. You know, I think the Chiefs are gonna actually have active activity in in day one of the draft this year. Uh, it's gonna be really hard for them not to have draft capital for Thursday night because they have two first round picks now. Now maybe the night gets done a little bit early because we've been talking a little bit about this and pick twenty nine and thirty can get you all the way up to the 8-9 range of this draft. If you're using the Rich Hill trade value chart, which kind of uses um, it kind of uses historical trades to kind of help you gauge how much teams have valued picks. And that would put the Chiefs 8-9 in this, in this draft. They could move all the way up, potentially, if they can find a suitor. Um, maybe they move up all the way up there to go get, secure one of the edge rushers. Kayvon Thibodeau, if he falls. Uh, Jermaine Johnson. I mean, those are the two guys I kind of have circled now, and I think we might have talked to him about them already, but those are the guys I have circled right now as, man, if, if something happens, I, I, I'm looking for the Chiefs to move up anywhere between 8 and 15, Maddie. Yeah, we talked about defensive ends last week, and I think we spent a little bit of time talking about Thibodeau and just how there's some swirling rumors from like his interview process and his interaction with teams that might cause him to fall. I think before that kind of started making its rounds, it was the consensus that Jermaine Johnson was the clear cut defensive end number four. So like if either one of those guys get to that ninth pick, 10th pick, you do have to start figuring out if you're the chiefs, do you want to trade up to get them? At what point do you want to make that trade? Are you trying to get rid of both first round picks and going up to pick nine or 10? Do you want to wait and see if one of them fall to pick 15, 16, where you might only have to part with that Dolphins pick number 50 in the second round to move up that far rather than both first round pick? It's just that's where you really start making all your calls. If you get one or both of those guys start the drop, what I don't want to see is the Chiefs trading up for a receiver. You don't trade away a player, recoup a bunch of draft capital, then trade that draft capital to go draft his replacement. Like that's just that's chasing your own tail. If it was that important, then just don't get rid of the guy. Like drafting a player that can maybe become the guy you traded away, but just but cheaper. It's like it's just that's not worth it to me. But if you use that capital to go fill other holes like defensive end, I'm fully on board with that. So you start looking, like Kent said, about pick eight, nine, start paying attention to the Chiefs draft. Cause in, at any point in time from there, they can start picking and you don't want to be driving out to go pick up your wings or whatever it is, you know, to eat, and all of a sudden the Chiefs are on the clock. Yeah, no, th this is going to be a really exciting uh, whole entire week weekend for the Chiefs with all the draft capital. And we will be at Kingdom Bar and Grill for the entire draft. We are going to be doing three live shows the entire weekend. Maddie Lane will be there. I believe Craig's planning on be there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you guys join us uh, when we're out there. And 
Uh, I think when you buy the KCSN draft guide, you there also be a coupon for some free food there as well uh, in the, in the in the book as well. Um, yeah. By the way, the, the link to the, to purchase the guides in the uh, description of this podcast. So if you do want to purchase it, two hundred twenty five write ups on prospects, how they fit the Chiefs. Maddie finished up the last of the write ups for this guide today. So we are locked in with all of our write ups. It's pretty exciting stuff for all of us here, but. Yeah, this this thing opens up so much now, and this is it's 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 geeking. I'm geeking out with twelve picks. It's it's pretty crazy that we were sitting here. The Chiefs have twelve picks. We've got the tenth. I think the Chiefs have the tenth most draft capital in the league right now. So right now they have the tenth most draft capital. And here's the funny part: even let's say they go out and they make a big move to trade one of these first round picks for a proven veteran. They still have a ton of draft capital. They could still be very active trading up into round one or trading, you know, trading up in round one because they could package 62 and and 29 and get all the way up to as high as pick 17. So, like, there is a lot of things that Chiefs can do to maneuver, even if they surrender some of this draft capital before we get to draft weekend. And that's what's kind of exciting for me to watch this and and dream on on the possibilities because there's more possibilities than this team has ever had to go and secure uh, the talent that they want. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a big opportunity for this football team to reset. Obviously, losing Tyreek Hill is big. Mar- Maurice, uh, or Marcus Val- Valdez-Scantling. Uh, what did, I, what did, I, did I say Marcus Valdez-Scantling? I'm not sure what you said, really. Okay. It's Marquez Valdez Scantling. I, I, you know, I know. He's going to correct people. I'm just, you know, if anybody listens to his presser, he's going to correct people not to be rude. He just wants to correct people when they say it wrong. I think you even went with Marcus. So I, 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 I did. I, I went Marcus. I was like, I, that doesn't, what am I doing here? Anyways, the Chiefs have kind of helped address, you know, the receiver position a little bit. You know, they're going to have a shell roster at some spots like Jermaine Carter going in today. They have a linebacker secured now. Like maybe they have Arden key secured, you know, I, but there's a lot of different ways that this team can go with all this draft capital. One of the positions that they could go with cornerback. And we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about this cornerback class. And it gets interesting more now too, Maddie, because I keep saying, Hey, I want the chiefs draft to start at edge with an edge trading up. We had a conversation last night. We were talking. And I and we've been playing around with mock drafts and I've been kind of looking at how I think the draft could fall. And you've got three really top tier corners. You got Derek Stingley, Andrew Booth, Sauce Gardner. We have two we have first round grades on Stingley and Booth. Sauce Gardner not too far behind. Trent McDuffie, another guy we are we have not too far behind. Uh that as well. We have a really strong top four. Stingley falls. I know you're a proponent of potentially trading up for him too. Maybe I would consider it. I think so for the whole, just the top of the cornerback class in general, like I don't think the Andrew Jr. I think we as a group are a little bit higher on than what the NFL might be, especially now that he hasn't tested. He's not going to test before the NFL combine. So he's not a guy that I would imagine the chiefs would have to trade up with, you know, Super far for you want to move up a couple spots to get them. Sure. Same thing with Trent McDuffie. The shorter arms not testing like an elite athlete might cause him. Like, so those two guys, I don't think you'd be going up far for. But if you're sitting there and you get that pick again, 15, 16 range where you're not giving up both first rounders and you see either Sauce Gardner on the board, you see Derek Stingley on the board. I think you should have the conversation. Now, 
I don't know. As much as I would be interested to see if the Chiefs would finally transition and not, I don't, the one, the coaching staff won't, but as just a general rule, would they transition to coverage over pass rush? If they would, you would have to start making this conversation. Is it worth it to give up, you know, multiple top 62 picks to go get what you think might be a number one cover corner? The bust rate on corner seems to be a little bit higher than some other positions, whether it's in the first round, third round, whatever it may be. It's like, it's a lot of risk reward, but those players are really good. It's like, where do you stand? Would you trade up for any corner in this draft class if it was your, you know, pick 30 and pick 50? I love Derek Stingley Jr. as a prospect. I love the idea of Derek Stingley Jr. as a prospect. When he came onto the scene as a true freshman, we were all talking like he was a generational talent. And he has the talent to be it. He is a perfect build to be a corner. He's got a lot of attributes. He's a, I mean, when he's wanting to tackle, when he's willing to tackle, he is very physical out there on the edge. He's an absolute prop. Fluidity through his frame. Athleticism. All the, every Everything you could possibly want. Would I... I would think about it. I don't think this team is going to. I am. I would be very surprised if they did. But this is one of those guys that has a chance to be a absolute blue chip, bona fide blue chip in this in this draft. I mean, he got one of our few first round grades. Uh, but I don't. I I think I would consider it. But I don't think that she's well, and so it really doesn't matter. <laughs> no, I'm I, with you on that. I I don't think that they would do it. I would consider it as well, but I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could pull the trigger if I was in charge on that one. I, I did want to ask you a question. So you're talking about Derek Stingley. Uh, he is our highest graded cornerback right now. He's got, like I said, our highest our highest grade at the cornerback position. Do you think he's the first cornerback off the board? Ah, uh, you see, I think some teams could really like Sauce Gardner, Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati. Like I think some teams are going to have Sauce Gardner. Um, because I mean, he tested phenomenally. He really helped himself in that regard. Uh, indications are he's done really well with interviews and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's there's a lot to like about his game. You know, I think there's more consistency to what Gardner is given from an effort perspective. I think there's less questions about his makeup um, and how Gardner's gotten to this point. You know, he wasn't a he wasn't a five star recruit. You know, he's a guy that's had to earn it, and he's been part of a great culture. Uh, and a great, you know, college uh, program for the last four years. So um, I'm not going to be surprised if Sauce Gardner. Honestly, I think the reason we're having this conversation is because there's a chance Derek Stingley isn't quarterback one. It's this. I think I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not sure. I wouldn't bet Gardner's not cornerback one taken off the board because of uh, because of the makeup more than anything. I'm, I'm with you. I, th I think Gardner is going to be the first corner taken beyond even worrying about some off field stuff that may not even off field stuff, just like some health issues, some, you know, effort issues coming out of LSU for Stingley. I think Gardner's got, he's longer, he's more physical. He, you know, I don't know if that necessarily makes it better in man coverage, but that's what the prototype says. It gives him a higher ceiling, I think, as a man coverage player. And that's what the NFL is always going to navigate, or, you know, uh, go towards they're always going to head towards these guys that are bigger longer willing to be physical when you know Stingley doesn't have long arms he doesn't have great length he plays longer than that but he's a little bit of a stubbier corner he's not as tall he's not as thick so like little stuff like that adds up you add in the health I would definitely think Gardner is going to be the betting favorite to go first um 
out of these well, top four corners. Oh, go ahead. Well, as you say, Gardner, I what he did at the combine testing too, I think checks some boxes for some people too, because he had a really, really strong combine as well. And I think that helped check some of the other boxes that people might have been looking at. Yeah. So I mean he he gets it all. He's he's the total package, and it sounds like his interviews with meetings with teams went really well too. So he has it all. You don't have anything to knock him with. Whereas with Stingley's high end play might be better, but there's a couple things you can start to ding him on when you go through the whole profile. And I think that's kind of the way the NFL might look at it too. Out of these top four guys, so Stingley, Gardner, I think we both think will be gone before the Chiefs get a pick. We said we won't trade up for him. How confident are you that Andrew Booth Jr. or Trent McDuffie get to pick 29? Ooh. Um, I think Trent McDuffie will be there. I don't know if Andrew Booth will. I think, you know, I, I think he's sneakily one of those guys. You're going to see the ball production, the athletic profile. I think you're going to have a hard time telling me that he doesn't go off the board earlier, too. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think I think Booth's one of those guys that winds up going earlier than we're talking about or than most people are talking about in Mar- in late March. I think Booth's big push was going to be his athletic testing because I really do think he would have tested well. So him not testing at all because I do believe he strained, quote-unquote, his uh, quad practicing or preparing for the combine the week of. I think that hurts because I think he, that's where he was going to build a lot of momentum. You know, down the stretch, Clemson wasn't as good this year as they anticipated. He played well, but he didn't get a stack on like this great final season and then carry that momentum into this process. So I think there's a chance that Andrew Boo Jr. is there. I think Kyir Elam out of Florida is picking up some steam too because he's tall, he's long, he ran better than guys expected. I think he might be picking up steam and kind of start pushing for that cornerback three spot with McDuffie, with Booth. So, like, out of all three of those guys, I do think one of them at least will be there at pick 30. Do we think, even if they are, do we think that the Chiefs take one of those guys if they're sitting there? I don't think so. And, I, I mean, I, I think they're going to try to try to find value later in the draft. Um, I think I think day two is a very, very real possibility now that they go and invest in corner. But I do think this team is going to prioritize edge and receiver before they do anything else. And I, it would be cool to see. I mean, I, I think some of the guys we've just talked about here are undoubtedly uh, worth it. But I think that there's, I mean, we can talk about some of these guys. I think there's some tier two guys that we can kind of look at here as potential really good value. Um, I'll, I'll throw one out there right now. Martin Emerson, the cornerback out of Mississippi State. He feels like a Spags cornerback through and through. Uh, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, we've got a pretty solid grade. I think we got like a third round grade on Martin Emerson. Some people may not be quite as high on him as we are. But I mean, Maddie, I know you've been you've been banging the Martin Emerson drum a little bit here, too. You like him in those mid rounds. Yeah, we got a pretty early uh, round three on him. Uh, I like him as a prospect. He does a lot of stuff well. Like you look at the physical profile, the way he moves, you could definitely see correlations with a lot of what the Chiefs have done at the cornerback spot. But then once you run it out, there is definitely a difference in the way that he moves when he has to work vertically. Like the overall athletic profile for Emerson is definitely lacking even compared to guys like a Charvarius Ward or Rashard Fenton. Bashad Breland, who maybe aren't the most athletic corners in general, he seems like he's a step down from them, and it really shows up when he plays man coverage. So I I think physically he fits a lot of what the Chiefs want to do, 
Putting him, though, in this scheme that's going to ask him to play a lot of man coverage, be isolated a little bit more only with help, help over the top, I, I could see Emerson struggling a bit, and the Chiefs haven't shied away. Like They've been very willing to take a chance on guys that need development, but I do wonder how much they're going to watch his film and wonder about his ability to stick in man coverage kind of in the way the Chiefs ask these corners to go through. It's like, if I were looking for a guy with a similar build, similar skill set, but that I thought had better upside around the same time. Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. I know he's going to be everybody's like darling coming out of the NFL combine because he's a freak athletic tester, but he's kind of a guy that's in the same physical mold that I think has higher upside for how the chiefs like to use their corners. Yeah. I really like, I like, I like Tariq Woolen as well. Um, I mean, it's just rare how physically, you know, imposing he is and, and some of the linear movement skills are really, really, really impressive. And you watch him and his ability to close on routes. You know, he's, I don't think he's this, I think he's, I don't know if he's got the loosest hips in this class, but I think because he's got such a long, you know, since he got, got such an athletic profile, he still was able to close on some passes, you know, some outbreaking routes, even though his transition was a little sloppy at the top. He's a little bit leggy. I mean, you're going to be a little bit leggy when you're that kind of length and size. Um, but, I really liked him a lot. I, I think their willingness, I think he's willing to tackle. I think he's got some technical to work, work to go with there, but, um, and maybe not going to be the best guy when it's coming in space, breaking down in space. I don't think that's going to be his strength, but he's a willing participant. He's a willing, um, he's active in the run game. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I actually gave him a, I, I might have given him a second, a low second round grade when I when I cross checked him, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, I know. I believe you did. And you I mean, just look, look, you've got a physical like it's just like the, the traits and the fact that he hasn't played corner. I mean, like you look at all you look what he's been able to do to this point, And, you know, I mean, the, the ceilings are the air is only pointing up. Right. And I, I graded him a little bit lower. Um, And because I just I, there's a lot of. I don't want to say technical deficiencies, but there's a lot of development that needs to happen with the footwork, with the ability to read leverage. I think he just obviously looks uncomfortable at times when he's asked to do certain things. So there's stuff in his physicality for as big as he is not very good. Like he does not want to tackle at all. Like he I, really I, wants actually, to dive. I came away thinking he wanted to tackle a little bit. Honestly. Oh man. I always, I, I think, it's, I, think I don't think it's a dive. want to, I don't think it's a want to as much as it is. He's just technically not there. You're like, Maybe. no, uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, you no, know, no, not out. It's just, I don't think he wants to be physical. And I thought that and like, even if it's a technical deficiency, here's a guy that played some safety too. Why can't he tackle at all? He's played deep. Like if he's not a wide receiver trans, you know, transitioning at the last year. So like, he's just a guy that I don't, I like him. I would take him in the second round. I'm not saying that. I just don't personally think that he wants to go tackle. And I think when you're that size, that's kind of usually something people associate with your game. Um, do you have any other big corners? Like, you know, we'll, we'll get off of just these big corners, but is there any other bigger corners in this draft class that you like, whether it's day two, day three, that you kind of think would fit what the Chiefs have generally gone for at the position? I like, I, I don't know if you're going to classify him as big. I think he's pretty big. Uh, Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati. I really I'll like allow Kobe. it. I, okay, thank you. I mean, he's 6'1", 193. I mean, that's about the Charvarius Ward size. I mean, that's about the, the, the Charvarius Ward profile. Like, he's not the best athlete in the class. And, you know, the long speed's a little bit of concern. But, man, like, football instincts, IQ, um, you know, willingness and in, in, in willing participant in the run game, experience, super talent. I believe he was 
didn't he he won a, a the best defensive back award this year? I can't remember what it was called. Uh, the Jim Thorpe Award. The Jim Thorpe Award. Yeah, like I really like him a lot, and he's another guy in day three. Yes, not the best athlete, but there's a lot to like about him. I think you might have to go day two on him, and yeah. I'm not saying that that's a, a bad thing. No, I do think there's a limitation to the ceiling with him, but you're drafting him because of how ready he is right now to come in and be your cornerback two, maybe your cornerback three, but this guy that you feel confident is going to be a complimentary cornerback for your team for a long time. I don't know if he'll ever become like the ceiling isn't super high with him because the athletic profile is pretty limiting, but you'd like, I feel like he's as, as safe as a cornerback prospect can essentially be as that worst case scenario. He plays a lot of zone coverage. He's very smart. He plays with good ball skills. He is willing to come up, be physical. Like, yeah, I get that one. Two more guys that just fit the same general mold. We're talking about um, a Caleb Evans out of Missouri, yeah. six foot two, 32 inch long arms. I, he was more physical at Tulsa than he was at Missouri. And I don't know their same DB coach came over, but I don't know if it was a little bit different defensive scheme or if it was some hesitation against playing against SEC players now, rather than whoever he was playing at Tulsa, but you still see the length. And for me, it's his fluidity at that size. He's more fluid than these other big guys we've kind of talked about besides Sauce Gardner. He's got the best hip you know, swivel. He can turn and run a little bit better. So he's a guy that I think you can get in those mid-rounds that has that profile. And then a personal favorite of mine, Joshua Williams out of Fayetteville State. That's your really, boy. You could really only see him at the Senior Bowl. But here's the thing. Here's a strong-as-heck guy, long arms, big dude. He can jam guys at the line of scrimmage. And when he hits them, they get locked up but his technique is so bad at it. He almost looks better when he's playing off coverage. His feet, his hips look better in off coverage. You get a massive corner that has the, you know, nimbleness to play off coverage. But when he is asked to press, he can make it work with that strength. Like that's impressive to me. So he's a guy that I'm really intrigued by that. I do think you could get on day three. Well, we'll get into some more corners here real quick, but 90% of the coffee from the grocery store is actually stale. Matt, did you know that? Buddy, I drink a lot of stale coffee then. You heard that right. The coffee you know and think you love needs an upgrade. Instead of rebuying the same old, same old, let Trade Coffee send you something freshly roasted that you're literally guaranteed to love. Trade sells the freshest, freshest roasted and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you as often as you like, whole or ground. Uh, to get uh, and for our listeners right now, Trade Coffee is offering a total of twenty dollars off your first three bags when you go to drinktrade.com/kcsn. That's more than forty cups of coffee for free. To get started, take their quiz at drinktrade.com/kcsn and start your journey to your perfect cup. That's drinktrade.com/kcsn for twenty dollars off your first three bags okay so we've talked a lot about these big longer corners are there any slot types that you're really geeked out about maddie yeah i i think we need to talk about some slot types because there's this outside chance i craig's talked about it a lot craig stout is you know has talked about this a lot the chiefs were willing to try to add k1 williams last year who is a slot only corner that means legerius he probably plays full-time outside Last year for the Chiefs, he would only play out there in you know their base personnel packages before kicking inside. But we've said all along, we think his his profile works better on the boundary. So what if they're ready to finally do that? Then that that opens up the world for the Chiefs. I mean, you can start looking at some of these slot guys. I mean, why start anywhere else than this? 
Roger McCreary, okay? Here's a guy that a lot of people had pegged as his first rounder, and I think you still have some people banging the table to trust the tape on Roger McCreary to play on the out or to play anywhere in the first round. But just his physical profile, five foot eleven, under 29 inch arms, 190 pounds, not particularly fast running, you know, a four or five. Under like, 30. I think he's under 30 inch. He's uh no, 29. no, he's under 29. He's a okay. 20, he's a 28 and 7 8 er Like he was low, low. By okay. uh, Trent McDuffie was under 30, but still in the 29s. Like Roger McCreary was he was down there. It's like okay. he can't play boundary corner. He's going to have to be a slot. He's going to have to be a safety. Or if you're taking him to play on the boundary, you want to take this guy on day three. But if you want to play him in the slot, he can be physical. He's very smart. He's very intelligent. He reads routes. He's more than willing to be physical. I mean, he gets his nose in there all the time. Taking him to play in the slot on day two and moving Snead outside, that feels fantastic. I think that's a super, I think it's a great way to go about it. Yeah, I think, I mean, go go, uh, go get a slot-only type. I'm fascinated to see if this team will do that because that's kind of a way to help build your, you know, kind of build your roster a little bit differently. And there's typically good value with some of these slot-type corners at times too. Any other slots you like, Maddie? before we move on to interior offensive line? I mean, I can go all day with these. So um, the only other one I'm going to give, you know, that I want to talk about just a little bit, and it's because of what else he does. Marcus Jones out of Houston. Yeah, baby. Um, super small guy. I mean, he's a very small corner, but what you've seen lately in the NFL is you've had guys like Tavon Young, you've had guys like Darius Williams. They're catching the bag, and they're also these 5'8, 5'9 corners that can play just in the slot, but they have the athletic traits to make it work. So Marcus Jones out of Houston, 5'8, 174 pounds. Another guy, short little arms, 28 inches, maybe 28 and like seven eighths or something like that. But what Marcus Jones makes him so interesting. He is one of the best returners coming out of college football like of all time. He's a dynamic kick returner, dynamic punt returner. Houston even tried to play him on offense a little bit because they just trying to figure out how to get him the ball. You look at the Chiefs, they lost Byron Pringle, who's been their kick returner. You're looking over that Demarcus Robinson was an emergency punt returner at times, gone. McCole Hardman might be in line for a step up in the offensive role, you might not want him returning punts all the time at this point in time. You might need a return specialist. If you can go get a Marcus Jones in round four, even if it's round three with that polls comp pick, and you get a guy that can compete as a slot corner, but also be a top-end return man, I can make Dave Tobe real happy and still give you a guy (laughs) that might be able to play on defense despite size limitations. Yeah, I mean, it's you're going to get a core special teams player regardless, probably. Uh, but there definitely is a ceiling, you know, to this guy or an ability of this guy to actually play on the defensive side of the football. This is the Paul Horning Award winner, He's the most versatile player in college football. And uh, he had a lot of success uh, at Houston. And I think he actually played at Troy beforehand, too. So he, he had did. a lot of success at Troy as well, if I remember. I This is this is editing that 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 little nuggets from editing the draft guide. <laughs> uh, OK, let's talk a little bit about interior offensive linemen. Um, you know, I don't really anticipate that the Chiefs are going to be too actively involved in the interior offensive line game, but you're kind of hoping that a few of these guys, fall, you know, get into round one before the Chiefs actually are picking at 29 and 30 if they stay. And I think the top of the class is clear cut Kenyon Green uh, out of Texas A&M. Boy, this is a nasty football player, Maddie. He is, and he's played, I believe, all five positions yep. on the offensive line at some point in time. Um, strong guy, pretty good mover. It's like he, Kenyon Green is 
I think if you're going to go for some upside at the position, if you need a guy that's maybe not super technically refined, that's going to need some work. And if you have a really good offensive line coach, he's the interior offensive lineman you want to draft in the first round because the ceiling is just astronomical. The problem is there are some just significant lapses with his technique, some of the stuff he sees with his eyes. So what you're hoping for, if you're the Chiefs, one of these teams that likes these versatile offensive linemen, trust their offensive line coaches to develop guys, sees what Kenyon Green's done at tackle and at guards. Like, okay, I just need to get that guy in my building and I can make him good because I, I think he is a guy that really could if any of these interior offensive linemen are going to go top 20, top 15, top 20, I think it's him based solely on the upside. Cause I mean, yeah. Tyler Linderbaum, a center out of Iowa, Zion Johnson out of Boston college. That's that kind of rounds out your top interior guys. I think those two guys have less, a lower ceiling. They're more steady. They're safer, but I don't know if teams are going to take a big risk on either one of them. Like they might Kenyon green. Oh, I totally agree. Uh, and like, we can talk a little bit about Linderbaum. I think he's like, we keep, we're all terrified that he's just uh, Garrett Bradbury 2.0 again, a guy that's going to struggle to anchor. I think he's probably going to play under 300 pounds when he's when he's actually in season. And I mean, there's a lot of really quality. Uh, there's a lot of ability. The movement skills are really special. And I mean, he's you know grip strength and those kind of things. He's really talented. He's capable. But I think at some point you just got to be able to anchor, and that's something that definitely will concern you. I will say this though. Nick Harris right now, same issues that Tyler ba- B- Linderbaum had at a much more egregious scale. Like, I mean, like Tyler Linderbaum, he struggles to anchor some. Nick Harris from a few years ago out of Washington, it was egregious. And he didn't have the lower half to actually even physically be capable of doing it. Nick Harris still has a job in the NFL right now. He is currently, I believe, penciled in to be the starting center for the Cleveland Browns after they released JC Treader. So while we're saying all of this, there is a, there, there is a, I, I think Linderbaum, there's a very clear path to success and maybe it's not all just anchor with Garrett Bradbury. Maybe we just missed on him. I think it's just, it's so scheme specific, right? You look at, I mean, we're talking about the Cleveland Browns with Nick Harris. You look at their offensive line and what they try to do. I don't think Nick Harris is a great fit there. So the fact that he still has a job, I mean, kudos for him, but like, that's not the kind of system that's really going to showcase what he can do. So if you want to take Linderbaum and throw him into these systems that like to run a lot of gap stuff, they like to run downhill. Yeah. Linderbaum's not going to be your guy. It's going to be. A, you know, you want this outside zone system that is willing to build it around the center, like the Philadelphia Eagles have with Jason Kelsey, like the Chiefs did when they had Mitch Morse playing center. Like you need an offensive line that's going to build their game around you because there are going to be some limitations otherwise. But if you find a team that's willing to do that, that pushes Linderbaum up there. They, you know, that gets you guys just like that. But watching linebackers put Linderbaum on it on his bottom watching them, you know, shed him relatively easily. It would scare me so much to take a guy that looks like he's pretty maxed out at about 290 pounds and it doesn't have good lean. I mean, he's got super short arms. He's super narrow. Like the amount of movement he has to do partake in to block off a gap is incredibly high. Wyatt Davis, a guard out of Ohio State, he was the same way to me. He's a little bit bigger, but he was narrow. So when guys were blitzing or when guys crossed his face, he had to move so far with his feet to cut them off because he just didn't have the broad shoulders and hips to get in their way. I see the same issues with Linderbaum. I would be scared to take him in the first round. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know how many of these guys will go. I, I think you're hoping at least one or two do before the Chiefs are picking at 30. 
What's the earliest that you'd take an interior offensive lineman, Maddie? If I'm the Chiefs, not at all. They have way too many on the roster right now, right? I mean, we know who the three starters are going to be. You have Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Andrew Wiley. And whether he starts at tackle or he's this utility guy, they brought back Austin Ryder. You still have Nick Allegretti. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody right now, but like they brought in a couple guys that were free agents or brought back. They have their starters locked in. All of the starters are going to be here long-term, especially after restructuring Joe Tooney's contract. The other two are rookies. Like, no... No need to play around with interior offensive line if you're the Chiefs. You want to snag somebody that's there at round seven. I mean, like, have at it. You know, if you find somebody you like, um, I don't even have a name that far down. Bear Hunter out of App State, because I can remember his name because it's Bear Hunter. You want to go draft him in round seven? I mean, or, you know, somebody like that? Go ahead. I just... Well, here's a here's a day three prospect for you. How about Brock Hoffman out of Virginia Tech? We got a chance to talk to him. Here's our interview with Virginia Tech's Brock Hoffman. All right, I'm here with Brock Hoffman, interior offensive lineman, Virginia Tech. Thank you so much for spending a little time with us today. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for having me. All right, so this draft process, obviously, you know, this is a big time in your life. What are the things that you're really focusing on, trying to get better on as you transition from college to the NFL? Yeah, for me, you know, it's kind of a four-month process, and I'm trying to look at the big picture of things, but I'm also trying to focus on, like, the day-to-day and trying to improve um, technique-wise, overall athleticism, things that I felt like um, that I need to improve on going into transition into the pros um things that i need to work on from college all right so any feedback that you've gotten from nfl teams at this point on what they want to see from you throughout the draft process yeah, so i feel like for me um just kind of consistency and like an outside zone kind of schemes being more consistent in reach blocks um and just continuing to improve overall athleticism Okay, so did you have a team that you kind of followed you know growing up was there anybody that you were really you know a fan of when you were a kid yeah, I was a I was a big Ravens fan and Panthers fan. Um, like I said, because I was about an hour north of uh, Charlotte. Um, but yeah, I was a big Ravens fan because Ray Lewis for sure. So what brought you to Virginia Tech? Um, so I actually went to Coastal Carolina. Um, my mom had some health issues. Um, it was just best time for me and my family to kind of transfer um, and kind of get closer to help out. Um, and VT was just the best of both worlds. Playing in the ACC and being close to home. I mean, I couldn't beat it for sure. Okay, so um, what's what's that draft pro? You know, the 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 end of the draft process. What's it going to mean to you? You know, to hear your name finally called on draft day. I don't mean the world to me. You know, it's been a dream of mine like my whole life. Um, I've just I've grew up in a football family. My dad being a former college coach, and I've just all I've known is football, and I, I couldn't imagine not playing the game anymore. Right, so where'd your dad coach? He coached at Lenore Ryan and Methodist. They're smaller schools in North Carolina. There's a Lenore Ryan kid. Yeah. I think uh, Kyle Duggar was a Lenore Ryan kid uh, just a, a couple of years ago. So that, that's that's a, that's crazy. So was he an offensive line coach or what was he? Yeah, so he was a tight ends coach. Okay, so you kind of you kind of always had a little bit of help. okay. So that's kind of is that sign up kind of where you know sometimes you get thrown gets thrown around. You're kind of a technician. Is that where some of that kind of comes from? No doubt, no <laughs> doubt for sure. Okay. That makes sense. All right, so let's just say, do you think you're a center only? Do you think you're an interior offensive lineman? What do you think? Yeah, I, I would say interior offensive line. I've played um, a whole season at right guard when I was at Coastal, and I've kind of played a couple games um, at left guard, both at Coastal and VT. So I feel like you know that's an element to me that. With a team that drafts me, they're getting not just getting a center, you're getting a both left and right guard overall interior offensive lineman. Okay, so let's say the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs call during draft weekend and they're they're gonna pick you. What what are the emotions? What are the feelings? Uh, my dad will probably start crying because he's a huge, huge Chiefs fan. Um, yeah, so it'll be it'll be a really special moment for the whole family for sure. Okay, so how did your dad become a Chiefs fan? 
Um, so he is born. He was born in St. Louis, so it's kind of like the connection there. So that's crazy, man. Well, best best of luck to you, man, and and good luck throughout this process. And and I hope draft weekend's everything you hope it is. Thank you to Virginia Tech's Brock Hoffman. Wishing him the best of luck. Uh, Maddie, I we got we got you know some eyes on him at this at the East West Shrine Bowl. What did you think of Brock Hoffman? Yeah, he was he was one of the more impressive interior offensive lineman guys there at the at the uh, Shrine Bowl. He was, he, you know, he had a teammate there with him playing tackle. They you you could tell they worked well together. They had a lot of experience doing stuff at the same time. And you go back and watch that Virginia Tech offensive line, also with Lasita Smith, another guard, another interior offensive lineman in this class. They they move some bodies around. They could get out and move in space a little bit. So they were a lot of fun. And he's a guy you bring in, you try to develop, uh, maximize some of that athletic potential, maximize what he already does well. But I mean, worst case scenario, you're getting a guy that's going to, you know, bring his A game every single day and go out there and work his tail off for you. That's what you want out of utility interior offensive lineman. All right. So is there any other interior offensive lineman, you know, day three that the Chiefs might be able to look at that you like? I don't have one that comes off. Um, I mean, Luke Wattenberger, uh, Washington center, interior offensive lineman. I thought he was pretty impressive that we could see him down at the at the Shrine Bowl. I thought he did a good job as any holding up against some of those bigger, really good interior defensive linemen they had there in Vegas. Um, so he he was an intriguing guy. I would be willing to you know see what the Chiefs could get around going on there if they didn't want to stick with Austin Ryder long term. I wanted the transition away just like from the players, but like we're talking about. Guys going in the first round, right? We're hoping Kenyon Green, maybe Tyler Linderbaum or Zion Johnson. Like those three guys could all go before the Chiefs pick. Yeah. But let's say, let's say just two of them do. How many more interior offensive linemen do you think could come off before the Chiefs picking in at 50? Ooh. Like maybe one. I, I think if they if two go off, it's one. Like there's one. You think in it's between. just the other one? You think it's yeah, just the third I think, of those I think three? Kenyon, Kenyon Green, Linderbaum, Zion Johnson go top 50. I you don't think, think he, a Cole Strange or Dylan Parham is going to sneak in there? I'm I'm a big Cole Strange fan. I still kind of think that some t- I don't know if he's gonna wind up going that early. Now he's no. the interesting one, like because he's a bigger dude. Like I mean, he's like six foot four. I think uh, Zach Hicks, the wonderful, talented Zach Hicks, who's part of the KC Draft Guy team, I believe his comp for him was Justin Britt, one of those taller centers with really good movement skills, pretty good athlete. Um, so Cole Strange is interesting, but uh, I, I and I but I think he's a little bit older. He's gonna be twenty four. Uh, in his rookie year, if I remember correctly, I think he's a guy that probably goes a little bit after that. Although I do think he is should be much more highly regarded than he is. I think he's our fourth rated interior offensive lineman right now, and I have zero problems with that with that ranking, honestly. Yeah, I know I'm with you. I I love Cole Strange. Uh, the step up in competition without getting he was very good at the senior bowl, and I think that's where everybody started to catch on, but it was still a mixed bag of wins and losses. Like there were definite losses going up against these better players. Then he'd come back and win at reps. Like you like to see it. It's it'd be a little hard for me to say, yeah, definite top 50 pick. I think you know, Luke Fortner out of Kentucky, Dylan Parham out of Memphis, same thing. Like, I think I like them, but to call them top 50 picks seems a little bold at this point in time. What you hope though is two more of those guys come off, you know, somewhere in the second round. Like you, Green, Linderbaum, Zion Johnson, we're saying are off the board by 50. If you can get two more of Cole Strange, Dylan Parham, Luke Fortner, maybe a team loves Darian Kennard's power or Cam Jurgens, you know, athleticism. You're just hoping to get two some, more off some the board. People, I, some people are talking about Cam Jurgens and wondering if he goes before Tyler Linderbaum. So maybe it's a case of Linderbaum, the concern about his anchor and some of his, you know, his, you know, actual play strength 
those questions kind of, you know, push him back a little bit and maybe Cam Jurgens kind of starts running up a little bit. Some people are very impressed with Cam Jurgens, I know. Yeah, and so that's your hope if you're the Chiefs is you get some of these interior offensive linemen. I don't think we have a ton of hope they're coming off the board of the first round. Maybe not even top 50, but if you can get a handful of them off the board before Start the Chiefs running. pick again yeah. at 62, yeah. like that's that's probably the best case scenario and the most like pivotal part of that positional group in terms of how it relates to the Chiefs. And I don't know if this is a great interior offensive line class either. And so I think it's it, I think what you could do is it could push guys up the board a little bit because they're making sure that they're securing their guy. And so that's something to kind of monitor here too, is maybe you get a little bit of a run because some teams are very intent on making sure that they get one of the guys that they really like. Um, one, I, I think we talked a little bit about Cordell Volson. He's another guy that like, if the Chiefs are making a, an investment on the offensive line in day three, like he's probably an interior offensive lineman. He's built like a tackle. I could see that she's taking a guy like him. Uh, maybe if he falls somewhere on day three, I mean, this team's got so many picks. I got 12 picks. Like if they make, they're not going to make 12 picks, but if they did, they're taking an interior offensive lineman and there's worse you can do with Cordell Volson. I think there's that versatility could be really valuable. Um, he's not the best mover by any stretch of the word, which I think is part of the concern about moving, you know, going from outside in, uh, it's what you got, you, you might want to consider moving him inside, but I like Cordell Volson a little bit. Uh, Maddie, is there any other, any other guys you want to move on for or talk about before we get out of here? Uh, no, I, I think we kind of covered it. And like I said, I, yeah, with the interior offensive line group, it was just, it's a, you want as many of them off the board as possible. Yep. I would almost even argue if you're a chiefs fan, you want as many corners to start going because it just seems so unlikely now here in year four that they're going to start investing heavily in that position. Yep. So the more corners that go, the more defensive ends, wide receivers drop the better it's probably looking for the team because you just know they're not going to reach for a corner. Get these two positions off the board. Even though the Chiefs have a need at corner, get these two positions off the board if you want to get better at those positions I think the Chiefs are going to be looking at. Yeah, I think the Chiefs can find someone to play in the second wave of the cornerback position. Uh, and so there's there's some guys that can contribute. and Maybe they go with a big guy and a slot like we kind of talked about. That is going to do it for the KCSN Draft Show. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate y'all. We'll catch you later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.